0: of so 1st actual, proper uh, observance, he begins with this, when you come together in the church, verse 18, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it, well, because there was, they were divided in uh, many things, but especially in their doctrine, and this paper I passed out on the Lord's Supper, now these are just, just some Brief thoughts, but they point up the Lord's Supper and what's to be done. All right, terms with reference to the Lord's Supper. First, we have the word communion. We we use the term when we talk about closed, close or open communion. Well, where that word comes from, it comes from the scriptures, uh, I'm in verse, uh, 24, yeah, that's not my verse, uh, Yeah, I'm getting bad, I guess. Bad off. Back, oh, back in chapter 10, I'm sorry. Uh, in verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of of the body of Christ. So there's the word communion. Well, the word in the Greek is koinonia. And that word can be communion. It can also be fellowship. Uh, it's also used over in Acts, in uh, Acts 2, I think it is. it is. It's actually a money meeting. Think about the word "coinonía," the word that we use for coins. That's where it comes from, from the Greek word coin. All right, because it does involve giving of money when you use it in context of a church. So, But now, people use the word communion, and many times it just brings forth a misteaching teaching about the Lord's Supper. The Lord's Supper is not communion with one another. It's communing with the body and blood of Christ with the Lord. So people say, well, you ought to let everybody take, take it with you because it's, it's showing fellowship. That's not the purpose of it. Not at all. It is memorializing the body and blood of Jesus Christ till he comes. It's not for the purpose of fellowship. Uh, And we've lost potential members here recently because we don't open it up to everybody. But we're not going to change the doctrine. I'm not. Anyway, uh, it does not refer to fellowship with the brethren, but to Christ. All right, then the next next word, Eucharist. Well, now the high churches, uh, Lutheran, Episcopalian, uh, I don't know whether the Presbyterians use that much or not. They might. Uh, But they call the Eucharist. I know the Episcopalians and the Lutheran use that a lot. Well, the word itself comes from the Greek. Yeah, that's chapter 11, 24. Uh, and when he had given thanks, that word thanks is a word from which Eucharist comes. Uh, eucharisco. Uh, and it means to give Thanks. But it's used in the same almost vain as Catholics, they use it too, as something high spiritual something. And so I'd prefer not to use that word at all. Although the word itself is good, but it's misused is what it is. Uh, Then the word mass. Well now Catholics and some Episcopalians use the word mass and they don't even know where that comes from. Most of them don't. Don't have any idea. And that word too uh, probably is a distortion of a word used in the early churches. First, second centuries. Well, it comes from the Latin word, missa est, and it means the dismissal. When I think about it, Catholics, uh, they use mass, it's it's the main part of their worship. If you take the mass away from Catholics, they don't have anything. That's their main part of their worship. But where that term came from, from exactly what we do with the Lord's Supper, we don't allow everybody to take it with us. And it's not saying anything bad about anybody else. If I'm at somebody else's church, sound church, and I'm there visiting, preaching, or whatever, and they're taking the Lord's Supper, I don't take it with them. Because I'm not a member of that church. And then the church itself, it says that we need to examine ourselves. And we need to examine our flock. And we must not take the Lord's Supper with people who are living in sin and claiming to be members of the church. Living in open sin. We all live some sin. But I'm talking about open sin. Drunkenness, adultery, whatever. Uh, so that word mass, they've twisted it to make it mean they're actually sacrificing. Uh, and that's what they believe they're doing. Anyway, look look at 1 Corinthians 5 real, real quick. Verse 8, Therefore let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. I wrote unto you in an epistle not to keep company with fornicators, yet not altogether with the fornicators of this world or with the covetous or extortioners or with idolaters, for then must you needs go out of the world. But now I have written unto you not to keep company of a man, now that's church company, man's called a brother be a fornicator covetous idolater railer drunkard extortioner with such a one known not to eat he's talking about the Lord's Supper for what I to judge him also that are without do not you judge them that are within but them that are without God judge it therefore put away from among yourselves that wicked person that couldn't be much plainer and so uh Now, there's false doctrines, absolutely false doctrines, that gather around these these terms. I like to call it the Lord's Supper. We do use the term communion, but I don't want to use it very much. All right? And then transubstantiation. Now, you've got a compound word. Trans means a cross. If you transport something, port, you carry it across. You transport it from one town to the next. That's transportation. All right? Transubstantiation. Substance. Trans substance. So there's some kind of a change of substance that that term indicates. Well, that's what Roman Catholics, with their Eucharist, their mass, it's transubstantiation. When the priest says, Hocus Corpus Meus, those magic words, his hocus pocus, he changes the bread and the wine literally into the body and blood of Jesus Christ. That's what they teach. Now, I guarantee you, if you take their bread and wine before the priest ever touches it and put it under a microscope, and then when he does his hocus-pocus on it, put it back under the same microscope, you'll see exactly the same substance that he put in both cases. There will not have been any change in it whatsoever, And yet they've got hundreds of millions of people across the world convinced that that priest changes that substance into the body and blood of Christ. How, just how wicked can you be? All right. That's transubstantiation. The next one is consubstantiation. The prefix con means with. All right. It's scaled down a little bit from transubstantiation. Trans means they change the actual stuff. Con means with. They teach that, and they would be absolutely Episcopalians and Lutherans and Presbyterians and some Southern Baptists that when they take what they call their, whatever, communion, that the presence of the Lord is actually there. Now, I've heard several times, I don't know where he is now. He may not be there now. Down at Calvary Baptist Church on High Street in Lexington. Anybody know where that is? Great big old Baptist Church. And there was one time it was a Baptist church. But it's been a long time. Uh, I can't think of what his name was. Anyway, they're on television. And I have heard him literally say, invite everybody to join them in their communion and get ready to actually meet the Lord in this. Now, is that not consubstantiation? That's what he's teaching. So, so these things are not just far-fetched out there with the other denominations. You've got so-called Baptists involved in that stuff too. Even though Baptists are not, these are not Baptist teaching, Baptists are moving toward them. Uh, the proper term, as I've got verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not, to eat the Lord's Supper. And that's the term I'm going to stick with. And notice it's not the Lord's dinner. It's not. You know, there's always a, is it supper or dinner? Well, most people say, well, everybody knows it's dinner. No, I don't know that. From the Bible, I'd say Supper. That's the evening meal. So we do it as close to evening as we can whenever we take the Lord, So we need to do it pretty soon here. Anyway, what part did the Passover have in the Lord's Supper? Look back at chapter 5. Verse seven, purge out therefore, the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Now, does that tell you that a New Testament church is not to observe the Passover? It does me? Because our Passover is realized, he's been past, He's he is passed. He is sacrificed for us. When Jesus Christ died on the cross, he fulfilled everything the Passover was looking forward to. So we don't we no longer do that. Take the Passover, and as you people say, well, he used the same things from the Passover in the Lord's Supper. Well, no, it doesn't. No, it doesn't say that either. They did take the Passover, that was the last one, before the, the Lord instituted the Lord's Supper. But what was in the bread and what was in the cup? Well the bread was unleavened bread. There's no question with that. But they said what well, would we, they used the same stuff they were using in the Passover. What were they using in the Passover? You go back to Exodus twelve, and that's the very most detailed account you have of the Passover. Nowhere in the Bible does it give you anything more than what it does in Exodus 12. And in Exodus 12, it is unleavened bread, lamb without spot or blemish, bitter herbs. That's it. So, well, the Jews now take, we're not following what the Jews do now. Their traditions do not establish our doctrine." In our practice. So. The scripture gives us fruit of the vine. And cup. Three times Matthew, Mark and Luke. When he gives us the Lord's supper. He uses fruit of the vine. Nowhere else in the Bible is a term used. Fruit of the vine. Uh, Deuteronomy. Got a reference there to the. Blood of the grape. I guess that might be as, as close to the fruit of the vine. But it's not the fruit of the vine. And then you have, uh, right here in 1 Corinthians 11, you have the cup. So what was the fruit of the vine? Well, now, Simmons, T.P. Simmons, is theology book, good little book, it's basically an abbreviation of Strong's Theology. But in his book here, he's trying to prove that we're to take fermented wine in the Lord's Supper. Now listen to this. Some, abst- some assume that Christ abstained from all use of wine. Well, I assume that too. But this is assumed in the face of the fact that Christ, just before his death, drank vinegar. And he cites Mark 15, 36, Matthew 27, 48, and John nineteen twenty eight to 30 which according to Thayer, Broadus, uh, John Broadus, Alva Hovey, and W.N. Clark, these all uh, Baptist commentators, uh, the latter three being writers in an American commentary on the New Testament, and I've got that set, and it's it's a good set. They all say that that vinegar was the sour wine that the soldiers drank. So what he says that they're all saying, and I don't doubt it, that Christ did drink that sour wine just before he died on the cross. However, I want you to uh, see what he said in Matthew 26, 29. Verse 27, he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink ye all of it, for this is my blood of the New Testament, which is shed for many for the remission of sins. But I say unto you, (laughs) I will not drink henceforth of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now what did Jesus say there? What he was using, drinking, in the Lord's Supper. He's not going to drink it until the kingdom comes. He says that he drank sour wine on the cross. And that proves that we're to take the Lord's Supper with fermented wine. No, it proves the exact opposite. It proves that it couldn't be fermented wine with the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? Am I plain enough on that? Well, exactly. So, I thought I'd bring that out. All right. Go back to 1 Corinthians 11. Any questions or comments on that? Let me know. It. Now, we talked about hungry... And drunken. Now, context is sometimes more even more important than definition when you're talking about interpreting scripture. Definitely got to have definition. But sometimes it's as important to know the context. All right. Now, in verse 21 of chapter 11, he says, You're not coming here to take the Lord's Supper for an eating. Everyone takes before other his own supper. Well, you know, in your home, doesn't it bother you? That if you sit down, you got guests, and they just start chowing down. We're supposed to wait. And ask God to bless it before we before we eat. I mean, that's what the heathen do. God's people don't do that. We're not that anxious to eat anyway. That we're gonna run before everybody and just going. That's not the way we do it. All right. That's what they were doing. And then take it, saying they're taking the Lord's supper. But he says you're doing all this running, rough shot over others and then one is hungry one doesn't have anything to eat and another is drunken and I admit that word Matthew can be used to mean snot slinging drunk but is that what he means there it can also mean filled to the gills and I think from the context it's demanded and the fact that it's a New Testament church. What kind of a church would it be that would get together and get drunk? What kind, what, what are they accusing that church of? And then just act like it's nothing. It's just a matter of, well, go home and get drunk. He's not saying that. Not at all. But he is talking about considering one another. And those that have much, make sure others have. All right. Now, what have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God? Now, the word despise, it does not mean hate. It means don't think much of it. Do you not think much of the church of God that you would would do all this and shame them that have not? People that didn't have anything, you're shaming them. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. Now he goes and gives us the format for the Lord's Supper. We're getting our, all of our preparation ready. And our qualifications to qualify us to take the Lord's Supper. And then he says, I've received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you. That the Lord Jesus the same night in which he was betrayed took bread. Now this backs us up to Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the gospel accounts. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, now he's verbatim quoting what the Lord said. Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Well, when was his body broken? Well, so... After the same manner he took, also he took the cup. And when it's up saying, this cup is the New Testament or covenant in my blood. This do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. So there it tells us the frequency. It's not, we don't have a definite frequency of it. It's as often as we take it. We do it in remembrance of him. Not actually eating his body and drinking his blood, as the Catholics say. No, we do it in remembrance of, of him. That's what the Bible says. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he comes. So there's the, the other factor that we memorialize. is We're still here taking the Lord's supper because he had not come yet. Okay. And so, notice he said, just the cup. Uh, he didn't say what was in the cup. In Matthew, Mark, and Luke, he says, this fruit of the vine. And like I said, those are the only three times in the whole Bible that terminology is used. That's the offspring of the, of the vine. Uh, now, if he was intending for us to have fermented wine... Why didn't he use that word? In all four cases, he did not use that word. Because I say, according to Revelation, that fermented wine is not the proper symbol. The fermented wine symbolizes the wrath of God. And as chapter 10 says, when we drink the cup of the Lord's Supper, we're drinking a blessing. We're drinking peace. He drank the cup of wrath. We don't drink it. We drink the cup of blessing. And that's all I need to prove to me that the fermented wine is not to be used in the Lord's Supper. And I don't know why anybody else can't think about that. Uh, because one time there was a debate. Fellas dead now that debated it. He debated with Gerald Smith. Well, I mean, he was on a, the opposite side of me. But he asked me if I'd bring some stuff to help him. And I did. I wasn't worried about him debating that. Anyway. His big, big argument for fermented wine in the Lord's Supper. Here it is. He said it has to be fermented wine because alcohol kills. What it does, it's a deadly poison. His blood, his life's blood, was offered on the mercy seat in heaven. The mercy seat didn't kill his blood, it received his life in a sacrifice. And so I, I realized then that some of these fellows, they either haven't thought it out right or they're not capable of it. I don't know what it was. But, boy, you talk about a wild point. Al- well, alcohol does kill it's deadly poison. It's not natural. You have to manufacture alcohol. It's not a natural. Anyway, so he says, as often as you eat this Uh, You show the Lord's death till he comes. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily. Now I point this out a lot. It didn't say unworthy. Unworthily. Unworthily is an adverb. It modifies a verb. It's how you do something. If it had said unworthy, the truth of the matter is that none of us are worthy to take the Lord's Supper. None of us could take it. But we all can take it worthily by doing it like the Lord says, following His commands. So, uh, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. Now, I'm not 100% sure what the, all that involves, but it, it doesn't look very, very promising to me or very appetizing to me. I don't want to be involved in that. But let a man or a woman examine themselves and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So we are to, to examine our own hearts before we take the Lord's Supper. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation. That's judgment to himself, God's judgment, not discerning the Lord's body. Well, we're supposed to discern the Lord's body. It's his body, his sinless body, that was the perfect sacrifice for us. And to to do this unworthily, the improper way, uh, we're not discerning the Lord's body. Making a Uh, 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 not on but a joke making a travesty of it and for this cause that's reason this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep well we can say from this we know that there is a sin unto death uh john said it in uh, first john second john and he said that there is a sin unto death and i do not say that a man shall pray for it You can pray for it all you want to, but it won't do any good. That's what he's saying. So for this reason, this cause of this reason, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. Sleep is death. It's death of a child of God, but it's sleep. And so I'm going to say that of the many things that could be construed as a sin unto death, one of them is taking the Lord's supper unworthily. Anybody disagree with that? It has to be from this. Of course, there's weakness and sickliness among you because of it. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. If we judge ourselves and get ourselves straightened out before the Lord, we wouldn't be judged by God over it. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. So the Lord whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. Wherefore, my brethren, when you all come together, he's talking about come together in a church congregation. When you come together to eat, tarry one for another. Wait and do this thing together. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home. Don't try to get filled on the bread of the Lord's Supper. That you come not together into condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So, there's a teaching on the Lord's Supper. It started back in chapter 10. It shows a whole lot to it. Now, if all that has, had been taught routinely and regularly in all these churches you wouldn't have the problems with it that we have. And there are many, many problems with it. Uh, So anyway, if you've got questions or comments about it, I'd sure love to hear them. I'm going to quit this. We'll go back in chapter 12 the next time.